Do I have your attention today? Good, because I want, to, I want us to consider a couple of things before we go to the table of the Lord. I've been speaking here at this pulpit now for just about three years, and I've learned something from this hand, in a, from this experience in a first-hand way. It's something that's almost a little bit mystical to me, but it's nonetheless been my experience. Most days, when I step to this pulpit, I have a good idea what I'm going to say. At least I know what I've prepared. Sometimes I'm as surprised as you are at what comes out of my mouth. Sometimes I too wonder, what's Pastor Dan going to say today? Maybe I should go to church and see what he's going to say. I have that experience. And while I may know what I think I'm going to say, the one thing I don't know is what you are hearing. Because between my lips and your ears is this incredible dynamic of the Holy Spirit. He is more than able to take the feeble words of my mouth and even the weakness of my communicating skills and apply it to you in a way that is custom fit and custom designed to meet exactly that for which you have need. And I find that amazing. How do I know this? I know this because of what's happened to me over and over again in the last three years, and I'm sure Pastor Des knows it far better than I do. Because one of you will come to me and say, Pastor Dan, you know the other day in your message when you said thus and so? Well, I want you to know how that impacted me and the situation I was facing that very week. And the truth is, I stand there and I'm completely dumbfounded because I don't remember saying anything like that at all or not even remotely close. But I've learned to give a response that simply says, well, thank the Lord, and they have no idea how much I mean that. <laughs> and I step away from that conversation and I say, Lord, I'm really grateful that you can take some simple thing that I may have said or stumble upon and use it to do your work in someone else's life. I don't know about you, church, but I'm extremely grateful for the Holy Spirit and what He's able to do. What a mighty God we serve. So I'm asking you this morning, do I have your attention? And maybe it's more appropriate for me to say it this way. Does He have your attention? Because it's not about what I'm saying, but it's about what the Holy Spirit is communicating to you through His Word, even as it comes from the weakness of this vessel. And you don't have to like the messenger. You don't have to like the style of speaking. You don't have to like any of that. But you do need to heed the message. And then ask the Lord what He is saying for you today. It happens to me all the time. I'm in situations where I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not particularly fond of the style of someone's speaking or whatever. That happens all the time. But the truth is that does not annihilate or neither does it minimize the need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. So really, what I think you should do in the next 60 to 90 seconds is something like this. I wish you would say, Lord, what is it that you want me to hear today? Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Well, can you just say that? Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it. So today I'm asking you a question. And the question is this, where's the truth? Where 
is the truth. And I know that some of you are in situations today where you are saying, I just wish I knew the truth. I just wish I had full understanding of what's going on here. I wish, I, I, I wish, I, this, things don't add up. I wish I knew the truth. I wish I knew exactly what's really going on in this circumstance. And for some of you, it's quite a dilemma. You know, for years, Pastor Des taught us all so faithfully this statement that I, I have to say it, it riveted my heart. It, it stuck in me, and that is this. There's grace for truth. There's grace for truth. When you know the truth, no matter how good, bad, ugly that it is, when you know the truth about a situation, God gives you an enabling ability, His grace, to handle it and to work through it. There's grace for truth. How many are glad about it today? Say amen. Well, I want to remind you of something this morning that I know you know, but it bears hearing it again, and it may apply specifically to you today. Sometimes we don't know the truth, or at least the whole truth, or the true truth, because we've heard only one side of the story. Our exposure to the circumstance is not balanced because we only know one side. It may look like a whole story, it may sound like a whole story, it may even be a part of the, the part of the story that you like or the part that you want to hear. You may have heard what you've heard from someone that you consider to be a close or, or trusted friend, but if you only have knowledge of one side of the story, then you are in no position to pass judgment and certainly in no position to take action. How many of you know that there are at least two sides to the story and sometimes more? Where's the truth? I can have someone come into my office and give me the most passionate, convincing story that represents their perspective on a matter, and I can even be wowed by their presentation and emotionally engaged with them at that moment. And more crucial to me is the fact that I can be tempted to pass judgment on the situation based upon the power of the passionate presentations just given to me. But I have learned through the school of hard knocks. How many of you have been to the same school I've been to? I've learned through the school of hard knocks that the minute they step out of the office, I've learned to say to myself, Dan, that was convincing, and I could probably agree with all of it, but remember... It's one side of the story. It may be powerful, it may be convincing, but it's still only one side of the story. And the problem I see happening so often in the church today, if I can be honest with you, is that we hear one side of the story, we believe it completely, we swallow it as if it were the whole truth, we pass judgment on the issue based upon only that one side, and then God forbid, sometimes we take action based upon that. And often we do it because the person from whom we heard the story is someone that we trust and, and are our friend. But James, in his first chapter, tells us something that we need to remember. James 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to get angry. So I don't know who this is for today, but I'm admonishing you, take the time to listen to both sides of the story. Don't rush to judgment, assuming that you have the total perspective. And certainly be very, very, very cautious about actions that you take in responding. You know, church, I know you've learned this. Relationships are challenging at best. How many know that's true? They're challenging. But there are things that we can all do to make it easier, both on ourselves and with those with whom we are involved. Last Saturday evening, Becky and I were hosted by a member of our church to go to the Bass Hall downtown Fort Worth to enjoy a magnificent concert by the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. And it was really, really thrilling. Some of the members of that orchestra I have had the privilege of knowing or working with for at least 30 years or more. And most of you know that I've spent a few years myself working with orchestras and instrumentalists. And here's something a little bit interesting, at least to me, and that is that I've made my own observations over the years, not only about the difference between vocalists and instrumentalists. To me, it's like having two children with completely different personalities. A vocalist does not approach music the same way that an instrumentalist does. They just, they approach it different, they think different. But not only the difference between vocalists and instrumentalists, but the differences in the types of personalities of orchestra members and what kind of personality gravitates toward a certain kind of instrument or, or instrumental family. How many of you ever played an instrument in school even for two weeks? Raise your hand. Kazoo, juice harp, whatever. Well, I found this interesting. At a meeting of the American Psychological Association, Jack Lipton, a psychologist at Union College, and R. Scott Bullion, a graduate student at Columbia University, presented their findings on how members of various sections of 11 major symphony orchestras perceive each other. Now, you won't have a hard time drawing the parallel between this and the church in a second, okay? But how... The members of the orchestra, particularly those who played in certain sections, how they perceived each other. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. <laughs> String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and quite unathletic. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary ad adjective to describe the brass players. <laughs> I see some of your response. Woodwind players seem to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. Interesting findings, to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, how in the world could all of these people come together and make such wonderful music? Well, the answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians view each other, they subordinate their feelings and biases to the leadership of the conductor. Under his guidance, they play beautiful music, stunning music, magnificent music. Now, if you know anything about conducting, you know what the ictus point is. This is the preparatory, and right here, where he drops the baton, that's the ictus point, or we would call it often the downbeat. This is the place you should be looking for. And any member of an orchestra sitting there, when it comes to time to play the instrument, 
more than how, what they regard the other players, if they think they're too loud, out of tune, whatever they think, they are focused solely on the ictus point of knowing exactly where that is. Well, it is not at all difficult to draw this parallel and say that when we keep our eyes fixed upon the one who is our master conductor, we make beautiful music together as a church body unto the Lord. Can you say amen to that? God, give us the ability to be so focused on His ictus point. The preparatory may be here, but the ictus point is here. Let us be so focused on that that all of our other feelings and concerns about being whatever we think of the other people, those fade from view because our focus is upon Him and what He is desiring to happen at that moment. Bless the Lord. I want us to look at some of the last words Jesus gave to His disciples, which we'll find in John chapter 16, if you will meet me there. John chapter 16. He's about to leave them, and they are feeling it. No, why, why do you have to go? He, he tells them, it's good for you that I go. They don't want to hear it. But he has to accomplish that for which he has been sent to earth by his Father in heaven. And then he tells them he will return to heaven and why it's important that he do that. He says, unless I leave you, I won't be able to send the Holy Spirit. He's been with you, but He will be in you. And then Jesus says this amazing thing really by by implication. He says it this way, it's better to have Him in you than to have me with you. And He's going to teach you things that I have not been able to teach you. Let's look at… I'm, I'm going to read a bit more, I think, than I planned. Let's start at verse 5 of John chapter 16. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Well, let me just stop there a second. When I read that, the thought occurred to me. Am I asking the wrong questions? Is my focus completely off? You know, I heard a famous musician and someone you would know if I mentioned his name that I had the privilege of working with one day. I heard him say, I don't want to be answering questions that no one is asking. Well, my concern today as I read this, are we even asking the right questions? Do, do we even have the right focus on the matter that we're facing? Because he says, not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate or the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. He will convict the world of its sin when he comes. It doesn't say he's going to make you a better you. It doesn't say he's concerned about your happiness. It doesn't say all of those things that are the currently popular things in our culture that we work so hard toward, but it says this, and when he comes, what does it say? He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. 
And Jesus said, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Now, the book of John, particularly the chapters in this area, chapters 13 through 16, highlights the mystery of of what we call the Trinity. One God expressed through three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Son, and now the Son is talking about sending the Holy Spirit. And now we're about to read a verse that gives strong indication, church, that there is communication between the persons of the Godhead. Remember hearing Jesus say, don't condemn me for what I say, I only say what the Father tells me. The work I do, I do what the Father shows me to do. Now, the Bible does not tell us when or how this communication happens amongst the members of the Godhead, but it continues here. Let's look at the next, or continue in that verse. He will not speak on his own, speaking of the Holy Spirit, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Hang on to that for just a, in, for just in a couple of minutes. He will bring me glory, Jesus is saying, speaking of the Holy Spirit, by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Notice with me that the Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. Jesus gives glory to the Father, and the Holy Spirit gives glory to Jesus. Let me remind you something, church, to know this. Anytime that you hear a teaching or a sermon that does not center on Jesus or the magnificence and beauty of who Jesus is, then something is wrong and something is amiss. And you need to be completely aware of that. It must focus on the person of Jesus. It is Jesus who is Lord. It is Jesus who is the King. He is the center of it all. Can you say amen to that? Verse 15 says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. There's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all in one verse. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said. This is why the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Someone has once said that when Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, otherwise he cannot be my my disciple. Most of us who spend any time meditating on that scripture don't have any problem understanding that to follow Jesus, you can't serve yourself. You have to deny yourself. You can't depend upon yourself, and there's a denial of self. There's a, a dying to self so that Christ can be everything. We understand that. But that same person who made this, this noted theologian writer said, one of the hardest things for us to die to is very dear to us. We can die to selfishness. At least we know we should die to selfishness. But one of the hardest things to die to is your brain, your common sense. Now, I want you to listen to me very, very, very carefully. And I want you to stay with me for just a few minutes. Because this is what this teaching is about. It's, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying. Because even if you have a PhD and a very high IQ, 
You will never understand the things pertaining to Christ and God and the kingdom unless the Holy Spirit teaches you. Are you hearing me today? Most of us aren't going to readily let go of our education, and I am not minimizing education, and I'm happy for all of the smart people that we have around here. Really, I, I mean that. But we will not let go of our self-confidence, even our experience, for the sake of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So I'm challenging you at this level today. And so when we open the Bible, sometimes we go right to it and start reading. And happy that we're able to do that. Instead of praying, Holy Spirit, come and enlighten my heart with truth today. Because let me tell you something. Unless the Holy Spirit imparts the truth to you, it's just verses. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Lord Jesus, help me communicate this. There's too much activity going on here today. Help me. But we don't do that. And in our own understanding, we read and study, and without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something, you can read this word and be as mean as a hornet. Unless the Holy Spirit has enlightened your heart, unless the Holy Spirit has put it within you, you can read this word and be a gossip. You can read this word and be a slanderer, talk about everybody else. Unless the Holy Spirit, has, you have allowed it to produce something within you. Remember, the people who killed Jesus and plotted his death had the biggest Bibles in the land. But they were never taught by the Holy Spirit. There was no revelation. Revelation means he reveals things to my heart and to my mind that my brain cells could never pick up on their own. You can read all kinds of biblical commentaries and you can follow all kinds of famous preachers. But unless the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to you, all of that other stuff means nothing. I'm telling you the truth. Do you believe me today? How do you know if you've been taught by the Holy Spirit and if you've experienced real truth? I can tell you how, because the teaching of the Holy Spirit will produce change in your life. You won't just read it and go, okay, I've heard that, I know that, yeah, I heard something on that. No! When you read the Word and you said, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart today through your Word, I don't care how many times I've read the Scripture. Enlighten my heart today. It will produce change in you. You won't be the same person. He will convict of sin. He will let you know that what you have done and the path you're on and the words of your mouth and the thoughts that you've had and the things that you've done have not been pleasing to the Lord and you must repent from them and turn away from them if you're going to be pleasing in God's eyes. Many of us have, have it all settled in our brains. We can shoot out all the right verses. God hath not given you a spirit of fear. No weapon formed against me. Whatever. And thank God all of that's true. But it's not because you've memorized verses. It's because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, has revealed it to your heart and brought it to you at just the right moment and produced the change in you that needed to be there. So the Holy Spirit has been sent to bring truth to our hearts, to bring insight and knowledge. Please, the next time you pick up your Bible, don't just pick it up and start reading. But first, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to you. That's why the psalmist could say, 
In Psalm 25, teach me your ways, O Lord. Make them known to me. Teach me to live according to your truth, for you are my God who saves me. I always trust in you. Last week, Dr. Herb Lesk was here, and he spoke to us inspirationally on the significance of the names of God. Wonderful gentleman. I enjoyed him so much. Well, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of truth. And that is what we build our lives upon, church, the truth. But we also know that Satan has many names, and one of his names is this. He is known as the deceiver. How do we know if he's lying? If his mouth is moving. But here's what concerns me. How many people are building their lives on a lie and not allowing the spirit of truth to penetrate their hearts? There's a lady I've heard of recently who lives in, I think it's Arizona. She's in her late 70s, early 80s. And she's now learning how to make watch bands interesting age for someone to be learning a new trade. She has to do that to make a living. You need to understand that it was just a few years ago she was a wealthy woman. Lots and lots of money. And then her husband passed away and left her another big bundle of money. And she'd taken all that money and invested it. She was taking lots of trips and cruises and going to exotic parts of the world and buying new cars and life was good. She had, she had it together. Those dividends kept rolling in. But the problem was this. She had invested all of this money in a place that was very secure, had this reputation for being able to make money on her money, run by a man by the name of Mr. Madoff. And along with many, many other people, she lost it all. You know why? Her life was built upon a lie. She had trusted in a lie. I'm challenging you to ask the Lord today, Lord, am I building my life on the truth? Or am I building it on a lie? Some of you are in relationships today that are built upon a lie. And you need to ask the spirit of truth to reveal to you that which he wants to make known to you. Some of you have a wonderful job. Thank God for that. That you become so confident in that. That you placed all of your trust in that. And so that has changed a lot about your life and you're building your life upon the security of that job. Friends, that job could be gone tomorrow morning. Some of us who've lived a few years have seen that happen over and over again. Thank God for a good job that the Lord's given that to you. Be careful what you build your life upon. Be careful that you're not building it upon a lie. Because you can trust this. Even as we have the spirit of truth to give us guidance, the enemy is there to be sure he's telling you lots of lies for you to build your life upon. He will do everything he can to get you to build your life on the sand and not upon the rock Christ Jesus. All kinds of lies that people build their lives upon because the enemy has somehow made it enticing and he has appealed to your flesh. But it's a lie. 
And the spiritually discerning person will not build their life upon a lie. You may say, oh, there'll be no pain or destruction to your family if you have an affair. It's a lie. It's a lie. And you're building your life and taking your actions based upon that. And you know what? Many people believe lies about themselves. Some people have a perception of themselves which, is, which more strongly resembles what they want to be rather than who they are. And they're not willing to allow the spirit of truth to do his work in their lives. And then there are so many people with extreme low self-esteem who have believed every lie of Satan. That they aren't worth anything and they have no value or they're ugly or they're stupid or whatever. Building your life on a lie. But Jesus went back into heaven and he sent the comforter, the spirit of truth. So that you don't have to build your life on a lie. You can know the whole story. You can know the truth. But it's found here. It's not found on your television set. It's not found on your computer. It's found here. Somebody say amen to that this morning. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be the spirit of truth that we might know what the truth really is and then how to live in the freedom of the truth, the real truth. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And what's the main thing that he uses? He uses the word of truth to speak to us. When someone is truly controlled by the Holy Spirit, they can't stop going to their Bible because that's how the spirit of truth leads you into the truth. When you hear people say that they are filled with the Spirit and they never open their Bible, I can assure you they are not filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of truth will lead you to the Word of truth. It's what He always does so that we can bank our lives upon that. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. No, we want to say, I'll sow whatever I want and I won't have to, have to reap whatever. No, that's a lie. And the Spirit of truth will correct that in you. The Spirit of truth will help you discern what is great in this life. And not the media, not be looking to the media for what the truth is. The media will exalt people who are absolutely perverted just because they've got some skill in music or dancing or sports or athletics or whatever. And they exalt that as great. And they'll try to make something so big. But with spiritual eyes, oh God, give us spiritual eyes. Give us the ability to see beyond just that which is in front of us. Give us the ability to see what you are seeing and hear what you are hearing and, and putting in our hearts. It's my heart's cry today, God. Some things that look so big to the world are so small to God. And some of the things that look so small to the world are so huge to God. Did you see the woman who put in only a few coins in the offering plate this morning? That's huge to God. We're impressed with so many things that God is not impressed with. Oh, Bethesda. I am committed to being a pastor who will be relentless in saying to you, don't let the devil pull the wool over your eyes. Don't let him convince you of his diabolical lies. Don't allow him to convince you that you are too busy to read the Bible. If you're too busy to read the Bible, just say, Lord, I'm too busy. My life is too busy. Help me. Help my schedule so that I won't be, I won't be tempted to move away from that which I know is so foundational for my living. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're too busy to pray. 
I will continue to support a prayer service in this house whether you come or whether you don't because I believe the church of the living God is to be a praying church. And frankly, I think it's ludicrous for us to think that we can do anything apart from prayer. How can we do anything? How can we know? How can we see with spiritual eyes if we're not willing to go before the Lord in prayer? How? How? Prayer services at 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Let me just say it to you very plainly. If you're not getting the truth from the spirit of truth by reading the word of truth, and you're not hearing the voice of the Lord through prayer, then other voices will get you. Guaranteed. 100% of the time. You may think that somehow you've gotten strong enough or whatever that you can live life without it. But as a believer, you can't not live without it. And if you're not hearing the, the word of truth and you're not spending time in prayer, there are other voices that are influencing you right now. Where's the truth? One other thing we know about the spirit of truth. Our text that we read this morning tells us that he will tell us of things to come or the future. The spirit of truth is always taking our hearts and holding before us eternity. He is ever reminding us that life is a vapor. Without the influence of the Holy Spirit, your life will get captivated by the here and now. What do I have now? What's going in my little world today? Am I happy with everything about my life today? And the enemy, if you're not hearing the spirit of truth, the enemy will block out eternity from your thinking. But what did we read? He will tell you about the future. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He's always holding up before you eternity which means he's always holding up before you the things that really matter. But if you have allowed that to be blocked out, you will live only for today and tend to build your life on the lies of the devil if you've not surrendered to the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will always hold before us, church, things to come. That's why missionaries feel the call to the mission field. Because they've heard the spirit of truth. Because they choose to give their life to something that has eternal implications and eternal value. Because the spirit of truth has held before them the future. That's why people here in this church give their time and their energy to the ministry of Bethesda Cares, our compassion ministries. To do something that makes a difference in the life of somebody else that has eternal implications even for the purposes of leading them to Christ. Because something called the will of God and the reward of heaven is what those kinds of people are living for. The spirit of truth will remind you that there is something more than the busyness of your life. So the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth, will tell you of things to come. But there's one more thing according to our text that the spirit of truth does. And with this I close, Pastor Brent, if you want to come. And then we're going to go to the table of the Lord. If you will remain steady, please, for a few moments. The spirit of truth will glorify Jesus. 
I said the spirit of truth will always glorify Jesus. A spirit-filled, spirit-controlled person is a person who's simply caught up with Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want to be at your feet, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I magnify your name, Jesus. The spirit of truth will always glorify Jesus. Church, would you just lift your hands with me and just say, Lord, I love you. I want to be at your feet. I desire your presence more than anything else. Come on, church. We bless your name, Jesus. We're grateful for you today, Jesus. The spirit of truth comes. He will glorify Jesus. He's going to remind us that because of Jesus, our sins are covered with the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Ushers, go ahead and serve the people this morning. The spirit of truth will remind us that we're no longer under condemnation, but we've been made alive in Christ. The spirit of truth will remind you of everything Christ has done for you. That your sins have been washed away. That's what the spirit of truth does. Blessed be his name forever.